Constructed Futures. I'm Hugh Seaton. Today, I'm excited to be here with Matthew Bird, founder and president of Nexus 3D Consulting. Matt, welcome to the podcast. Hey, it's great to be here with you. Thanks for the invitation. Look forward to the conversation with you. Yeah, man. Your reputation precedes you, which doesn't always happen. You are kind of the reality capture guy. Why don't we start in the beginning with how you got to where you are now? Yeah, I, I appreciate that. You know, yeah, it's been a journey. So if I go back to kind of how I got into it, I actually grew up with my father being a land surveyor. And so back when I was in high school, in fact, I think this is maybe a similar story for a lot of people in the survey industry. It was a temporary job of, hey, why don't you go work on a field crew and learn how to do survey, you know, be the helper guy. That's how I got into the industry. So I started in surveying. I kind of grew into doing AutoCAD and drafting in the office. And I will say back when I was younger, I wasn't honestly super passionate about that role and that industry at the time. To me, it was just kind of a job. And I started growing into it and I was learning to enjoy it. But then there's this special moment that happened back in about 2009, 2010, where we learned about laser scanning. Someone came to us and said, hey, have you ever heard of laser scanning? And at the time we said, what the heck is that? And we got to see some demos and it blew our mind. And as a survey firm, we, we immediately saw the future. We knew, okay, this device is able to map in 3D and bring complex environments and all this detail back to the office that we can use for our survey practice. So that's how I got started in the industry, started testing scanners. I got put in charge of, hey, you you learn this thing. You're young, you're techie, you figure out the scanning piece. And that's really where my career in reality capture started. We, we adopted the scanner. We started using it in oil and gas, which is what we were heavily working in at the time. And it really started improving how we would capture existing conditions information for complex topos, for, you know, extracting information in a facility. And what got exciting for me personally is we started finding applications for the technology that we had never even worked in as a business. We, we started having architects say, hey, I saw what you posted online of this 3D mapping technology you have. Could you use that inside a building? And we're like, wow, we've never done interiors of buildings in our survey practice. Most of our stuff has been outdoors or oil and gas. But yes, that seems like a great application. And we go and we learn how to adopt it into that industry. And then we have someone for, from forensics reach out and say, hey, we want to document this scene that's a critical environment. So my eyes got open pretty quickly to the fact that this new technology had an application and a need across so many different industries. And so from there, it just kind of kept growing. I ended up getting strategically hired by a couple larger firms. And I became so passionate about the technology and wanting to move quickly and try new things and work with companies in different industries. I really fell into entrepreneurship at that point. I said, you know, I could stay at a big firm and try to grow it internally, but I really want to try something different. I want to try something new. And I feel like the best way for me to do that is to try to work for myself. And I, I would have the flexibility of working for different firms and different industries and trialing things and moving quickly, which most corporate environments aren't really designed for that. And so I started my own company and quickly started, again, just scaling that adoption of, of implementing laser scanners, implementing the process of capturing facilities and buildings and training people how to do it. And that kind of grew from there. And it's, it's been quite a journey. 
I love that. So, so it's so interesting hearing I did it because dad did it and I was okay. And then I saw something and suddenly you got sparked. I think there's a, a cool analogy here in terms of how things were analog to how they were with laser scanning. I want to talk a little bit about like what that, that difference was. What are some examples that a listener might actually be able to kind of see in their own head about how much better the laser was than the other methods you were using before? Sure. Yeah. And, and I can give a couple examples. You know, one would be my experience of, of when we were surveying. And then I can also correlate it to what I see other people still doing in the industry. So traditional surveying, you see those guys on the side of the road with a pole, right? And they're standing there with a pole and they're collecting one measurement on the ground. And they do that with GPS or with total stations and you're collecting one point at a time. And you get back to the office and you put all those points in AutoCAD and you just see a big mess of points and you're drawing very basic 2D line work to represent a site. Well, laser scanning collects everything from a site. You, instead of collecting one point at a time, a laser scanner sits on a tripod and it measures, the majority of them measure 1 million measurements per second. So instead of one point at a time, you're collecting 45 million points in a couple minutes. When you bring that data back into the office, you're not just seeing a, a little picture of a point. You're seeing a complete digital replica of whatever it is that you scanned. So let's use just a basic office room, for example. If you're sitting in an office room and you look around, you see a lot, right? You see grid lines on your ceiling. You see light locations. You see light switches. You see outlets. Well, in the basic survey, even if an architect was to go out and as built your office, they're going to take a tape measure and they're going to measure the length of one wall. And they're going to draw that as a line. And they're going to measure the length of another wall and draw it as a line. Well, there's a lot more detail in that room than most people go out and collect when they do an as-built. If you put a laser scanner in the middle of your room and run a laser scan, it's going to collect a measurement on every item that it can see from its position. So you end up coming back with a full digital replica that shows all of those other little details that maybe get missed by hand, or we don't take the time to document exactly where those lights are and the sizes of the windows and the elevation of the floor. It collects so much information. It really is like creating a digital replica or gamifying a digital copy of whatever it is that you document in the real world. It's so interesting. I mean, it's the difference between a couple of points and a surface. It's like one dimension versus two dimensions kind of in three dimensions. That's really, really interesting. Yeah. The visualization of it is a big piece. You know, we are visual people. We live in a 3D environment. When we walk onto a site, we see all of this detail. We see the sizes. We see the colors. We see perspective of where things sit next to each other. And before laser scanning, if you ever wanted to recreate a digital copy of that, you're taking photos, you're trying to pull tape measures, you're trying to draw annotations, and then you go back to the office and turn that into line work, and it's complex, and you kind of end up dumbing it down to very basic drawings. Laser scanning is the first time that you're able to really bring back exactly what's in the real world back into a digital environment. You know, I, I remember back in, in a couple of years ago, pre, pre-COVID, we had somebody come to Society of Construction Solutions from WeWork and talk about how reality capture had revolutionized their ability to assess new places where they might build a WeWork. Now, New York, as you may know, had like 400 of them. 
Yeah. Uh, not, not really. It had a lot. And the point was there was a lot of real estate and most of it was 50 years old or 70 or, or, or whatever. It had a lot of people living in it. So what the, the owner thought they had wasn't always exactly what they did have because stuff had been built, had been taken away and so on. So they got really good at, at reality capture as a way of, of deciding whether something was suitable or not. It gave them negotiating power because, again, what, what they were told they were getting often wasn't quite the same. So they could say, well, there's a little here and a little there. Is that the sort of thing that you find you guys do? Oh, goodness. Absolutely. And across so many industries. In fact, you bring up WeWork. We actually did projects directly for WeWork. Again, before laser scanning, someone wants to look at an existing building to buy or renovate. Well, first off, you're lucky if they have any drawings that represent what's there. Often they have something super old that's not accurate, or maybe they don't even have any drawings. And so the process that it takes to evaluate that building and how much space is there and where's the structural, like what could we design into this space? What could we fit? How many units? You know, it takes a lot of work. And companies like them, they started realizing this scanning technology lets us have a crew travel out to any building location in a day, we scan the whole thing, we turn it into a digital replica, hand that over to the planning team, and you can instantly sit in the office with your team in a, in a conference room and start planning and look at and, and answer those questions. You can jump into images, you can see ceiling height, you can see how many rooms, you can measure square footage. So it and COVID honestly was actually a big boost to that understanding because there were travel restrictions. And so this idea of, hey, we still need to somehow understand this site or walk this site. And the fact that scanning and 360 photos and all of that can help us do it virtually. We can have someone drive over there, scan it, send us the data, and now we can sit and virtually walk through that building. It really kind of opened the eyes to the need and the benefits from some of this data. Yeah, I love that. Well, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you to, you know, what does Nexus actually do? So Nexus 3D, we've talked about a bunch of it, but let's talk real quick about what Nexus 3D does. Like what services do you offer? What kind of things do you generally work on? Yeah. So we are a land surveying company based out of California. And we also have an uh, office in Boise, Idaho, but most of our actual survey work is really licensed in California. So we, we do a lot of traditional survey still, a lot of boundary and topo and ALTAs, construction staking, underground utility locating. That's kind of half of our business. The other half is really focused on laser scanning. We do terrestrial laser scanning, aerial LIDAR, uh, mobile laser scanning. And we try to help companies in different industries look at these technologies and figure out how to solve problems for their unique projects or businesses. That's how I started the business was really laser scanning and, and the support and growth of that. So we've kind of grown our own business to still support those services. And, you know, the next level is, is trying to now help educate the industry and help industries learn about this technology. I think that's one of the big missing pieces I've found over the years is not a lot of people even know these technologies exist or why they would adopt them or how much it costs, or it's, it's still kind of a mystery to a lot of people. I got to ask, what is Topo? So when we say topo, it's typically a topographic survey where we're going on, someone buys a piece of property, right? And they need a drawing that shows the location of all the assets on that site. So we end up, you know, creating a drawing that shows the surface and the sidewalks and the utilities and the building footprint, drawing all of that out typically. Yeah, that makes sense. 
and then ALTA. So that's actually similar. It's a little more complex and has more information. And usually it's actually required when somebody is purchasing a property, they have to have that ALTA drawing. So it's, it's similar. There's more detail into it. And personally, I'm not the licensed surveyor. I have a, a surveyor who runs that whole division that we want to get super detailed into it. I, I typically refer him to get deep in the survey deliverables, but that's a, a, the gist of what the ALTA is for. Love it. So now listeners know two new words they didn't, you know, they didn't know yesterday. So one of the things that you're really getting known for is the Reality Capture Network. You want to talk a little bit about what that's about and what you guys do? Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, we're on a podcast here. And so I'm sure you and the listeners know what a podcast is, know why you create one. It's really to help educate. And we started the Reality Capture Network as a industry-specific podcast to start having conversations with people who were doing laser scanning or looking at adopting reality capture, whether drones or VR. And the reason we decided to start a podcast was, again, we feel like one of the reasons that some companies have not considered adopting or getting into these tools is just the lack of awareness. And so I started to see other podcasts and I, I found that um, I was doing a lot of one-on-one -on -one conversations or lunch and learns with different companies. And I said, you know, if we start having conversations virtually, but we record them and we put them out through a podcast platform, now we can educate a mass amount of people on a conversation that, you know, we're talking technical with an architect. Well, now we share that out and 400 more architects can listen to it. So it's, it's kind of a way to booster and expand the knowledge around these technologies. So it started as the podcast, but what we're really doing now is taking it a whole nother level, not to just be a podcast, but we have an education center platform that we're building out where we actually want to create training material around these technologies, share case studies, help people find the right solution for their type of industry or business. And we've also created an in-person conference that we do on an annual basis. This year is going to be our third event. And we have companies from so many different industries coming and sharing their journey and their need for digital transformation, for digital twins, for laser scanning. So this year we have ExxonMobil and General Motors and Dallas-Fort Worth Airport and all of these different organizations coming with their problems, talking about how they're trying to solve them. And so our goal around RCN and Whole is really to build a community of people who are interested in innovating and interested in new technologies and trying to build community and collaboration around that for people. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. And it, it is community like that, that not just drives awareness, but people discover new things because someone tried a thing and then they tell someone about it. Oh yeah, I did that, but I did this. So it's a really great way to, you know, advance the, the frontier of how these technologies are used. Yeah, absolutely. And and the reason I, I started seeing this is as a younger entrepreneur, I started looking for other entrepreneurs. I started researching and I was reading books. I was listening to podcasts and I started finding that in other industries, things like that are normal. 
like going to a conference to, you know, I'll just throw one out, for example, in real estate investing, like there's entire conferences and entire communities of people who get together in that industry to learn from each other and share best practices and, and invest together in properties and work together to better themselves and what their industry is. And I saw the same for like marketers in marketing, like they get together and they talk about best practices and podcasting and sharing content. And, and then I look at construction and, and surveying and our industry. And I'm like, I don't see anything like this. I don't see someone taking the charge and trying to learn best practices and really share tips and tricks and be open and, and foster that collaboration. And I know there's some groups that do it, but I don't feel like it's been a big part of the industry. And since I've been very niche and focused in all these new technologies, I said, I really think we can change the industry by bringing in some of that thing, you know, that what I've seen in other industries, bring it into the construction technology. Because when we get, again, those different types of people to come to the same event and sit in the same room on a panel and talk about what are the industry pain points? What problems are you trying to solve? What technology are you seeing work? it sparks all this new idea creation across different firms and people have a better starting point than starting from scratch or Googling themselves to death. So I, I really have started to love this idea of building this community in a way that will transform companies and it's working. So that's what gets me even more excited. Yeah. And I think that the more noise you make, the more visible you become, the more likely people who may have a question know where to go look. And I think that's really important. Right, because you're right. There are conversations happening here and there, and there's groups here and there. But by making something that's a little bit bigger and and pretty focused, now people that have a question know where to go ask or find people who can give them answers. And again, I think that's really important for an industry that's still got a lot of innovation ahead of it. I think. Absolutely, and I couldn't agree more. I, um, you know, I and I also started to learn this just over my journey in entrepreneurship, right? Is like when, when you're building a business, for example, you always want to find other experts, people that are better than you in different roles. And as you grow, you start to learn what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Who, you know, what is this guy's strength? What is his weakness? What's her strength? What's her weakness? And you start to build this team that makes the, the company stronger. You're really letting people fit into their lane. Now, I also started to realize that with my own journey in the industry, I found that one of my biggest strengths is networking and building relationships. And I had so many contacts. I started using LinkedIn a ton and I built a big following. And so I kept sitting here for a couple of years and I was like, I love that I'm building a company. I love laser scanning. I love survey. I could just keep growing that business. But I, I kept feeling like there's something bigger I could do. I have all these relationships. I have this big network and this following. How do I give more value to them than just trying to get more scanning jobs? That's really where RCN started is I realized I can help all these other companies who are trying to ask the same questions of how do I use these technologies? Where do I get started? What are the struggles? What are the case studies? And so that's really become my mission with RCN is like, I don't want to just focus on services anymore and becoming the expert. I actually want to build other experts and help them overcome those headaches and, and make connections to other people. And I'm also not the expert in all of the technologies. So I've also tried to shift it in a way too, that as the community grows, I want to create opportunity 
for other experts to come in and meet with each other and collaborate with each other. And it's not just about me. It's really about the community itself connecting and, and solving problems. Yeah, that sounds great. Well, I, I'm going to ask you now to give us some exciting developments or just things that you're seeing out there that people may not know. You know, you, you, live, and, you live and breathe laser scanning. What don't people know it can do or what are some awesome applications that you've done recently? Oh man, that's a great question. And I do, I love all the technologies. I love seeing all the different use cases and different projects. And, you know, one thing I'd throw out initially when you, that just came to mind, it may not be the biggest, most exciting thing, but when you said, what is something that most people may not even know that they can do? The first thing I'm going to throw out is actually the most simple. It's the fact that I would guess 80% of people have an iPhone you can actually download an app for free on your phone if you have an iPhone Pro or whatever, and you can scan with it. You can download different apps. There's Polycam, there's 3D Scanner app, there's, there's several out there. Most people don't know that exists. And it's, it's free. It is the very first step. You know, if somebody wants to just try out, let me see what you're talking about. Let me see what this laser scanning data looks like. Pull out your phone, download one of those apps, scan your room, scan your office, scan your car, something like that. That is going to get you your first feel into what is laser scanning? What is reality capture? That is the most basic version. And most people have it in their pocket and don't even know that they could do that. And, Love it. you know, I'd throw out that next level. I mean, then we could go all the way to the other opposite end and say, we just did a very, very complex project for working with an airport. We did almost a 3 million square foot terminal at an airport behind TSA, behind baggage claim, like very complex project wearing mobile laser scanners and running conventional survey control in order to create a digital replica for that airport to use in their digital twin program. So it goes from a very basic level all the way to very complex projects. How far is what you do from photogrammetry? Do you find that you're almost creating photogrammetry? Obviously, you're not taking literal photos, so it's not quite the same. But it sounds like you're getting pretty detailed in your, in your modeling of, of surfaces and spaces. Absolutely. So when we, and I'll even just kind of rewind back to say, what do we term as reality capture? So when we talk about reality capture, we're talking about really all of those technologies that have to do with capturing existing conditions information and creating digital data to then be used. So that does cover laser scanners, 360 cameras, photogrammetry, drones, and then into the digitization of those through BIM and, and visualization and VR and AR. And, you know, when, when we talk about reality capture and whole, we talk about all of those. So we use photogrammetry processes, you know, we'll use drones and fly sites and process the photogrammetry data into maps and data. And even some of those iPhone apps that I talked about, they actually mix and use both photogrammetry and the LiDAR out of the iPhone sensor. So really, we see those mixing quite a bit. And for the folks that are listening that don't know what photogrammetry is, what would you call it? How would you define it? Yeah, that's a great question. It's, and you know, there's certain levels of expertise that I do and don't have. I love using things like Pix4D and doing a photogrammetry process. Now, if you ask me how the science yeah. behind how they make it possible, you're, I, I get lost there as well. It's, uh, it's a very complex process where it's taking a series of photos from different angles and reconstructing a 3D object or, or data out of 2D photos. Like 
you lose me there. It's very complex, and I don't understand the process of how exactly they make it, but that is what photogrammetry is. Yeah, so you're taking photos, and sometimes there's laser involved in terms of just understanding the underlying shape, and you're mapping it so it looks like a 3D model or 3D version of what's there in real space. That's really cool stuff. I, I played with it once, and I absolutely respect your point that it's a lot harder than it sounds. And I did it like five, six years ago. I think the, the software is probably a little better than it was then. Yeah. So when you think about what you've seen so far, you've been in this the reality capture game, for lack of a better word, for longer than almost anybody. Where do you see things going? What are you excited about in the next you know, one to three years? Mm. That's a great question. And, uh, you know, I will, I do have to say there are definitely people who have been at it longer than me. I feel like I've been at it in a, lo a long time now, being about 13, 14 years. But what I actually am super excited about is the fact that there are still people just getting into it today for the very first time. There is so much growth and opportunity when we look at the, the market and the need for laser scanning and drones and capturing existing conditions information and getting value out of that data, it's actually becoming a massive market and opportunity. And that's what I'm most excited about is that it's a very niche field. And I feel like we're really making a difference in raising awareness to it. And we're starting to see it become a requirement even in certain industries when there's an airport renovation, when there's a hospital renovation, they're starting to require scanning because of the value that it provides in the as-built process and then into the design process and into construction. And so we see the need for it growing and yet it's still pretty niche. Like there are a lot of people out there doing it, but very small divisions. So I don't think we have near the amount of people in this technology today that we need for the amount of work that's coming. So that really excites me that, that it's growing into a major need and we're really starting to see that growth curve really kick off. That's really cool. And if you were to talk to a contractor who maybe doesn't do it now, but what, do you, what should they know? Mm, that's a great question. You know, there's so many different applications when we look at scanning, even for a general contractor or whatnot. One of the biggest things that I've seen is the value out of collaboration around the data. So let's take, a again, a construction site. Usually project teams are traveling out to the site to go walk a building and they all go out to take their own photos. And like we talked about earlier, you know, an architect goes out and is taking a bunch of different measurements on things. And then the HVAC guy has to go out. And there's so many different processes and people involved in a construction job. And they all go out and get their own photos and their own measurements. And they're, you know, it's a very tedious process. It's costly. People miss things. And the value that come that we see coming out of laser scanning, taking in the beginning of that job, you go out and you laser scan that building, it reduces the need for so many of those people to have to keep revisiting the site in order to get pictures and information and measurements. It gives you data that you can all sit virtually without flying out to the site, sit in your conference rooms and open up this 3D data and have a replica of the actual project site to walk through and to plan together and pull measurements virtually. So that's one of the big benefits we see coming from the data for most project sites is the collaboration around it, the reduced uh, site visits, the accuracy in the design process. And it kind of goes on from there in improved safety and improved project schedules and reduce clashes in design because the as-built was accurate. There's a lot of things that it trickles down to once you actually get started. And I'd, I'd ask the follow-up question is, 
what should they know about cost and complexity? Because a lot of what you said so far is what used to take a really expensive scanner and you know a, a trained technician still does, but there are options. Like I know contractors that'll use their iPhone for a small thing, just to say, look, here's what happened today, or here's the problem I have, or here's the question. And it's better than a picture because that you can actually you can actually kind of look at the, the the item or the area or whatever it is in a little bit more 3D and understand the problem better. So there's Absolutely. it feels like on the cost side, it doesn't only have to be you know, $20,000 a day or whatever the number is. Absolutely. And I see that as when I look at the industry in whole, I see that as a big benefit and actually a big struggle. The fact that there are so many different options when it comes to hardware and software and processes and technology, a lot of times people lean toward going with the cheapest option. And sometimes that hurts them because it's not accurate enough for their use case. So I actually think there's a big need for companies to understand the differences between what is possible with the iPhone and when do I need to go to the next level scanner that costs $10,000 and when do I still need the $100,000 scanner? And, you know, there's definitely question marks there that we have to kind of break down per company or industry and, you know, what they're doing with the data and what their goal is with the project. But there's also easier ways to get started if you're a company who's not already doing it or already familiar, finding a company that that's what they do, you know, and that's where we started with, with, with Nexus. We find a business who sees the value or sees the need and we collaborate with them to start. We're, we're like, look, don't rush out and buy the wrong scanner or, or spend all the money yet. Collaborate with someone and do the first project. Get your feet wet you know, see the data, see what value you get out of it. And then you make those decisions as a business to move forward. Do we buy our own equipment? Do we build this department in house? Do we rent a scanner from somewhere because we don't do projects as often? Or do we work with a service provider and when we need it, they go out and do it. There's definitely question marks there that people have to look into for them and their own business because I have actually seen a lot of businesses that very quickly jumped out and bought a cool piece of technology and didn't have all those questions answered. And it ended up sitting in the closet because they're like, man, this is actually more complex than we thought it was. It takes more computing power. We need to train more office staff. So I think companies do need to learn and, and look into what is the full picture look like? And there are people that will help with that. I'm more than happy to help with that. I, I think that people need more informed decisions, which is also why I'm pushing education. You know, yeah. I'm shifting a lot of my focus to education because I've seen a lot of horror stories and yet I've seen a lot of success stories. So I'm like, look, I want to help companies avoid the headaches that have happened over the last 10 years because the, the technology is not what's wrong. It really is which tool and how you implement it. The tools are amazing. They're getting fast. They're getting cheap. They're getting better. The data is amazing. It really comes down to that ecosystem of what tool, how you use it, and what you do with the data. Love it. Well, Matt, this has been fantastic. I, I'm a big fan of reality capture, and I'm a big fan of, of the community that you're building. I appreciate you being on the podcast and, and look forward to talking to you again in the future. Yeah, you as well. I appreciate the chance to come on and share. And I'll just leave with this. You know, there are a lot of companies that are maybe slow to innovation, slow to growth. And I would just encourage you, take the time to think about innovation. You know, look into technologies, look into how you can improve. It's just going to help you grow better into the future. Fantastic. Thanks, Matt. Mm -hmm.